in a row? Hasta la vista, baby. Go. Hey everyone, you are listening to Geek Positive, the podcast that's about to put some dirt in your eye. I'm Ryan Maxwell. I'm Greg Ames. Alright, Greg, so um what are we talking about this week? We are gonna be talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. And I'll say this like I do for every new release, and more important for this, because you know sometimes We'll talk about a movie, we'll go, can you even really spoil it? I don't think there's a solid five minutes of this movie that wouldn't have a major spoiler. So, full spoilers ahead. Once again, full spoilers, if you haven't seen this movie yet, turn this off, go see the movie, come back to us, you're living your life wrong if you're prioritizing us over this movie. Sorry to break you, audience, but this time it's true. But, the thing with this movie is, a lot of the rumors even the most outlandish ones, ended up being true. Oh yeah, it's it's wild, isn't it? Like, I never thought there would be... There are so many things that people were saying about this movie, they're like, there's no way that would happen, and a lot of them did. So, it's like spoilers, but you already heard about it, but it was so out there, you didn't think it would happen, and then it happened. Yeah, and there's ways it happened that could definitely people didn't know they would, and things like that. Let's begin, because I'm not even sure best way to begin. I think I would like to start on with my own personal road with Spider-Man No Way Home, because I had a lot of skepticism about the idea of a Spider-Man multiverse live-action movie that tied together all the old movies. Yeah, I, you were kind of poo-pooing it and saying, we already have Spider-Verse, I remember. Yes, and also... At the time, like I said, we didn't know much about the other than the multiverse rumors, and you know, you know, hey, it it felt like, hey, we're Sony, we've had the rights of film rights to Spider Man for so long now, and now we're making these much better movies with Marvel's help. Let's try to make our old movies important again. And I was like, they're just trying to, you know, make themselves feel better, blah blah blah. And it's like, so yeah, I was a little bit negative on this. This is almost like. This is almost like a Ghostbusters afterlife scenario for me. At first, definitely. Yes. I, I gotcha. So, um, I don't know what your earliest thoughts were when you started hearing rumors about this, the concept for this movie. I was intrigued, and I was like, no, they're not. No, going way back to the way, way back. I'm like, no, they're not. Like, and then, like, more and more stuff started coming out, and then I'm like, okay. Yeah, it is. Sure. And I do recall, I was on board with some of the more outlandish ones early. Like, Daredevil? I'm like, yeah, he's in it. I don't know why I just had that really big Daredevil feeling. Especially when we got that first trailer and we saw Peter. Which, the scene was also not in the movie. The people slamming down the papers next to him that we were analyzing so hard. That actually ended up getting cut. So I, my whole reasoning behind it isn't even in the final product. But I'm pretty sure that would have been a Daredevil scene. Well, first of all, there's a lot of stuff I noticed that was in the trailers that either wasn't in this movie or was in it in a somewhat different form. Even lines I noticed. There's um not even the Scooby-Doo this crap, Scooby-Doo this shit switch, but I'm even talking about the when Otto's saying you're flying out into the night chasing ghosts in the trailer, in the movie is chasing a ghost. 
I didn't. I didn't notice. I noticed that line was in the movie. I didn't notice they changed it that slightly. Yeah, because he's only talking about Norman Osborn at the uh, time. Okay, so it's not like he's talking about everyone. He just had a ghost in the movie, and uh, and my Peter Tingle went off right then. I'm like, oh, that's a trailer change. <laughs> and um, you, well, should we go down this rabbit hole already? Do I have to eat shit already? You already brought up the Daredevil thing. I did, I wasn't even gonna be that cruel on it because I'm in too good of a mood. Okay, then we don't have to talk about it. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about it. I, I remember it was on the episode, I believe it was the Spider-Man special, a super whatever Spider-Man special. I will plug the audio right now. You know, No fence riding for you. All right. Daredevil in or out? Honestly, I'm going to say out just because Kevin Feige doesn't really even acknowledge the Netflix Marvel shows anymore. Well, fuck, in the past two months they've changed their minds because we keep, besides, besides the fact that Matt Murdock, Charlie Cox, Co- besides the fact that Matt Murdock, Charlie Cox is definitely in this movie, we're hearing all kinds of rumors now about Netflix Marvel show characters creeping their way into current Marvel projects, and apparently Kevin Feige has decided to embrace those characters again, and I was wrong. I will admit it. I'm glad you were wrong. Not just because you were wrong, but because of what we got from you being wrong. Now, there's a whole side note I have on on that because I, I don't. Does Marvel Marvel has the rights to those characters back? But do they? Netflix still owns those shows, right? Yeah, those shows will stay on Netflix. But Marvel, uh, any, if they were to make future seasons, they would not be. Okay, yes. so that's a bit of a predicament, but I they'll work around it. But I digress. Now that we've got that out of the way. Uh, let's go back into Spider-Man. Yeah, so, one, let's actually talk about the Daredevil thing, not even just our fun, ha <laughs> I was right thing. Um, it, You know what's crazy is Daredevil is one of these huge things going into it. It's in, like, the first ten minutes of the movie, and right then, to me as an audience member, I'm like, okay, they're throwing it all at us right away. Like, And you know what, I think that was smart, because then I'm not sitting there like, where's Andrew and Toby the whole time? I'm like, oh, holy shit, Daredevil's already here. At that point, you're like, we're like, fuck, all bets are off, anything can happen. Exactly. And, uh, dude, we saw it opening night, the first showing available at our theater. It was, one, a sold-out theater, the first one I've seen since COVID happened. So that was fun time. And, dude, the audience reaction for everything in this theater was so fun, and I loved it. Uh, our good friend Razor Rob, as soon as Daredevil appeared on screen, shouted, fuck yeah, and then was berated by his wife due to the fact that there were children present. Yeah, I remember I was a, um, he was like three or four people over for me, so as soon as Mac Murdoch comes on screen, everyone's screen, everyone starts cheering, and at first I'm a little irritated because I'm obscuring lines of dialogue, but I understand why people are excited, but then I hear someone yell, fuck yeah, and I'm like, that's Rob, isn't it? Oh, Mister! I I was annoyed because obscure. It was the opening night of I what know, would be the best movie of the year. If that, people weren't yelling, I would have been mad. I wanted that me, experience. Trust me, that is a very, very, very minor complaint. As a traditional film goer, as a as a fanboy, I was like, I haven't had a, I haven't had this much fun or experience like this basically since Endgame, and it's it was so nice to have that happen again because it's been so long. I, I love when people go like that in the right moments. And all the moments that happened in this one were the right moments. Um, so, be yeah, Daredevil right off the bat. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. And then doesn't really show back up again. But you know what? It was cool. Yeah. 
And they establish he is Daredevil. He's not just Matt Murdock because a brick flew through the window. He catches it. It was great. But I'd like to point out the, uh, I guess, how would I put it? I'd like to point out how funny it is to see Charlie Cox in a scene as Matt Murdock alongside John Favreau as Happy Hogan, who also played Foggy Nelson in the Daredevil movie with Ben Affleck as Daredevil. It is a little odd, isn't it? I don't know, something about that kind of amused me, because I don't think... It was just Matt Murdock on the scene. Foggy wasn't there, right? No, there was no Foggy Nelson in this movie. I don't think so. But yeah, it was just kind of funny. Like, you know, John Favreau's weird dual roles, especially with, you know, a multiverse established that technically there could be a reality where the Ben Affleck Daredevil exists. Oh, yeah, we'll get into all the... What does kind of worms does this open at some point, I'm sure. But look, so that was a huge moment... Dude, everything was in this. Even Venom was in this. Like, albeit barely, but holy shit, almost everything was true. Pretty, uh, yeah, and even there were things that happened in this movie that when the moment came, it was like, I thought maybe this would happen, but I didn't think it would, and then it did, and I, I was still shocked by it. I don't know if it, this is stuff way later in the movie, so I don't know if we want to get to it yet. I don't think we're really even going in order right now, so go ahead. Fire away. Aunt May dying. Aunt May dying was pretty a big bummer to me. That was it was really sad. There's such a build up in this movie that big things are gonna happen. So when she gets injured like that, like, like oh fuck, not Aunt May. But then she seems like she's might be okay. It's like okay, false alarm. Then she falls over. And then Peter has the blood on his hands. Like I was like, no, they're not gonna do that, are they? And then they fucking did. And like oh god. Here's the thing, when the glider lined up behind her and everything, and we all, you know, we've seen Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire one, I'm like, oh no. And then it flew, and then just kind of bonked into her, I'm like, oh, that was weird. I didn't want to see, but I'm like, I fully expected, you know, yeah. Willem Dafoe right here, like, the same thing to happen to him. But it didn't, but then it did. So kind of, I won't lie, if I have one little gripe, it might be that scene, honestly, not just that they killed Aunt May, you know? It's very sad. You got me saying aunt like you all fancy, like aunt. <laughs> they killed Aunt May. That's how they did but, it, I think, in the 90s cartoon. I think that's how they pronounced it Aunt May in the 90s cartoon, and that always stuck with me for some reason. I could be wrong. I'll have to go back and rewatch no, it. You're, you're doing the correct way. I just can't bring myself to say it normally. No, but, no I swear to God, in, in some version of Spider-Man, I don't know if it was in the cartoon or the original Tobey Maguire ones, she was referred to Aunt May in live action or by voice at some point, and for some reason... Oh, no, I, I was is, agreeing with you. Okay. Oh, you just won't, you won't, you just don't want to call her that. Exactly. It feels odd to me. If it, it, sorry, it, it feels proper to me. <laughs> but not that I wanted her to die, but when I saw that lined up, I'm like, it's gonna happen, and it, they did kill her, so I wish they kind of would have, <laughs> no pun intended, stuck the landing a little better with that part. Oh, God, that's... Well, I think... I think at least what that shows is the fact that she is human, so she she's completely human and non-powered, so she's more likely to die by just getting violently smacked by a glider than, say, someone getting stabbed, and then that person lives through the stabbing. We'll get to that later. I guess you're right. I don't know. I just thought we were going to get... Once I saw it kind of just bonk her, I'm like, oh, she's fine. I think that was them trying to mess with us as to, you know, will they or won't they? Because the she was acting funny the rest of that scene. And you're like, is she concussed? Is she gonna, okay? Like, they really toyed with us as to whether or not she would, what, what was truly wrong with her. 
Yeah, I've been bonked by a car going, I guess, semi-close to that speed before. I think a goblin glider was probably has a bit more impact and probably a bit more force behind it than a car. Ah, you might be right. And she had already, she had I survived. Already, and she had almost already been, you know, blasted by a, go- a pumpkin bomb. Remember? That's true, man. That first time I saw that pumpkin bomb, even though it was just the trailer scene again. Holy shit! Just hear that little tink tink again. I'm like, oh, we are here. Oh yeah. And then Peter called him a green elf, which did make <laughs> me laugh. Okay, I we're gonna be so. I think they played it really nice because they kept. It, me and you were both satisfied, I think, because of how we talked about what we wanted Goblin, because we saw the straight-up Green Goblin suit from the original Spider-Man The Power Rangers suit. Yes, and then we saw a more comic-accurate one, just because he was wearing a purple hoodie that got torn to shreds yeah. and lost the mask. That's I, wa- I want to elaborate on that for, for a bit. This is the way they did that, the fact that they had, I don't know. This is, this goes for everybody in this movie, so I don't want to sing up Willem Dafoe, but Willem Dafoe and everyone else, everyone in this movie, acting-wise, brought their absolute fucking A-game in a way that I would never expect to see in a movie, a Spider-Man movie, this big. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, you could have phoned it in. Yeah. Like, Willem Dafoe, as gone in this movie, I think he outdid himself and his his performance in the original Spider-Man, and he's not even in this as much as that original movie. Like his whatever, his split personality, the evil side of it, the, the fight between the two of them. I don't know. It plays out so much more sinister and so much more believable. And like you said, Willem Dafoe did not have to go this hard for this role, and he did. Oh, it was great. And I don't know, dude. This is just incredible. His performance, like, yeah. it took me right back, but didn't feel just like a hey. It wasn't just member berries, you know. It was still in this story. They they expanded upon it, like you said. I love the way that they had him having the fight, basically the fight with his mask, his alternate personality. Smashes it. He ends up in a homeless shelter with that purple hoodie, and then he gets messed up, and then he has the weird tattered purple hoodie, and then eventually he gets some goggles and like. Willem Dafoe looks like the Green Goblin without a mask on. So putting that purple hoodie on him, like, over top of the green armored suit, evokes the imagery of the Goblin in a way that, looked it worked in real life, but you looked at it and like, holy shit, that's the fucking Green Goblin. Oh, 100%. Uh, not just any homeless shelter, Feast, straight out of Spider-Man proper, so I was happy. Yes, because that was uh, Aunt May worked there, or she yes owned it. She, I'm not sure. She which ran one. it in the video game. Okay, I don't know which iterations are which, but yes, that was nice. Um, speaking of the video game, I know you didn't play it, but the Spider-Man PS4 game, you know, widely applauded. Everyone loves it. Yeah. They used the takedown from that game 100 in the movie. That scene where um, Spider-Man jumps above Goblin, webs the ground, and kind of like pulls himself in for a super drop kick. Oh. That's straight out of the video game. Yeah, that we're all over the place. That that fight with him and the Goblin at the end of it, once again, even better than the one in the first Spider-Man movie. It was so freaking intense. Oh, for sure. Now I'm jumping to the very end, and I won't even go too far into it. But one thing that I was really worried about going into this, and even in part of it, I'm like, man, this is really fun and all, but I still want this to be about this current Spider-Man. I don't want it to be just a 
I was torn. I want it to be a tribute to everything that came before, but I also still want it to be a cohesive story that Peter Parker, Tom Holland Peter Parker, has gone on. And I was really worried that it was just going to be fun, here's everything Spider-Man ever, and then not really that. But holy shit, that fucking emotional gut punch of an ending. I hated it. In a good way. In a very good way. Uh, but what... Which part of it are you referring to? Remember, we're spoiler free, we're spoilers away right now. Okay, so um, the whole everyone will forget Peter Parker. I wanted two lines in particular about this. Doctor Strange up there when Peter suggests the spell. He says, but I hope you know everyone who's ever loved you. And he, you think he's going to say they won't remember. And he goes, we won't remember. I'm like, oh no, Stephen. So, because he's like, I love you too. And then... When he's talking to MJ, when she doesn't know who he is, he's like, how's your head? Like, asking about the bandage. He goes, oh, it doesn't really hurt anymore. That fucking line, I'm like, oh, fuck you. Maybe you can clarify this a little bit, because this is the part Probably of not. Okay. I was always under the impression the spell was the spell that they want that Doctor Strange initially wanted to cast, the one that he eventually did at the end of the movie, was supposed to make everybody forget that Peter Parker was Spider Man, not make everybody forget Peter Parker. Oh no, they were different spells. The first spell, which he then contained in the little box, um, was to make everyone forget that Peter Parker was Spider Man. Okay. And that was contained in the box. And so that's where that spell was. Never completed. Okay. The spell at the end was to make everyone forget Peter Parker. Because they already started that other spell. They couldn't just do that again. That already went haywire. Because Peter Parker should have communicated before they started what exceptions he wanted. So that first spell, because it was botched, could not be done again. The way I took it, yes. Okay, that was something that kind of bugged me. Because it's it felt like... I wasn't sure. I felt like it changed midway, but I, your explanation of it seems to make sense. Also makes it all that much more tragic because, like you said, if Parker had thought it through the first time, we would have had this problem. And that's not just my head canon either. They do have dialogue in there about that. Okay. There's some stuff, like I said, I think I mix, I missed because of the excitement of it and just the spectacle of all of it. There's there's probably little things that fell through the cracks. This is why was, this might be one of the first movies in two years I might see again in the theaters. I do want to point out how cool it is where we live and seeing so much Spider-Man and Doctor Strange on the screen together because we're from Steve Ditko's hometown. So... To see two of his creations up on screen together, having so much screen time together, was kind of like a cool little hometown pride moment for us. Yeah, if, if I wasn't if I wasn't wearing my um my cheap Spider Man costume, but put together with a t shirt and blue pants, I would have worn my uh, uh Johnstown Ditko Con t shirt. Yeah, so that that was really cool to see. Um, Doctor Strange really played a pretty cool role in this. They kind of used him as a plot device. I won't lie, but. They used him just enough to where it was fun, but still felt like a Spider-Man proper movie, not an Avengers movie. Yeah, because he uh, he disappeared about like halfway through the movie at least, and then re re show up again till like the very end. Well, because Spider-Man trapped him in the mirror dimension. Well, yeah, but that's the whole point. They they stopped it from becoming like you know the Spider-Man and Doctor Strange show, and it, it went back to being the Spider-Man or Spider-Men show. What got the biggest reaction in the theater? Do you think? Oh, God. It's like, I think a three-way tie. <laughs> three-way. It's a three-way tie between 
Ned opening up the first portal, and then Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man comes through. Ned opens up the second portal, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man comes through, and I think the third, and probably, this probably beats all of them, is the scene of the three Spider-Man slinging onto the Statue of Liberty. I think that that probably had to be the biggest fucking applause of it, because it's like, it's literally like three generations of cinema spider-man on screen and you have an audience comprised of people that probably grew up with one more than the others but have watched all three of them and to see them all together on screen was just fucking amazing and i that's a horrible pun there's another way of putting it oh for sure and i believe you're in this same boat as me i'm not positive but me as someone who saw all of these actors playing Spider-Man in all of their roles in theaters for all of them. So, like, I saw every Toby movie in theaters, saw all yep. the Andrew movies yeah. in theaters, and I've seen all of the Tom Holland and all the other movies he's been in as Spider-Man on the big screen. Just something just felt like, it was like we went on this journey as cliche and cheesy as that sounds. I hate myself for saying it, but it just felt like the culmination of all of that. I'm like, oh, this is all of my life coming together. It, it is cle- it is cheesy and cliche, but you know what? It's true. And as you say that, like I'm starting to get misty. I just thinking about what I watched <laughs> in that movie, man. Because not only that, but once again, the performances in this movie by everyone are top notch. Like Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire could have phoned it in, but I think they gave. They may have given some, some of their best acting as Spider-Man in this movie, and they really didn't have to do it go as hard as, hard as they did in this movie. Dude, especially Andrew Garfield, and no disrespect to Toby, but I think Andrew Garfield had the most to gain from it, because especially his second movie like was really not even his fault, I think, but even by all accounts was like kind of just haphazardly thrown together and everything like that so he really got to shine in this movie and it made me nostalgic for a time that wasn't that long ago yeah well like toby mcguire is like the elder statesman he's the oldest of them he's the spider-man we've known the longest andrew garfield he i wouldn't want to call him the black sheep but i think he never got a fair chance of it because the first amazing spider-man movie was pretty good, if you ask me. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was a f- cool alternate retelling of the origin. I liked it quite a bit. I've been on record many times saying I love that movie, that first one. Amazing Spider-Man 2. As a Spider-Man fan, I have a, I don't want to criticize the movies, but Spider-Man 2 is a bit of a mess. Clusterfuck. I, I would say mess. Yeah, clusterfuck mess. And there are moments in it I enjoy quite a bit. I think there is a lot of good... There are a lot of good moments in that, but it's so too much crammed into one movie and doesn't pay off all. And I felt like, and because of that, and Andrew Garfield, I think, spoke out about that because they said they cut a lot of stuff in the movie. Instead of cutting whole subplots and simplifying it, they cut out a little bit of everything and just made no sense. Oh, that's nice. But yeah, I think that really helped him shine in this, as weird as it is to say, because you had him in a cohesive story in this, and had a nice little redemption, which I would like to point out, and I have several witnesses. I called about a month and a half ago. I believe you did. I'll let you continue. Of him saving Mary Jane as his redemption for Gwen Stacy. Well, not Mary Jane, MJ. So, like, that was perfect for me. Also, speaking of MJ, it warmed my heart to hear that Peter Parker and MJ in 
Raimi versus Spider Man are still doing well today. Yeah, that was whenever they first, whenever um, Toby, uh, Spider Toby, and Spider Andrew were talking. Those, those are the terms I'll use now. Um, at first, it was like Spider Toby was talking about how difficult it is and whatever, and then Spider uh, uh, Spider Andrew was like, you know, I guess guys like us, it just doesn't work out for it. It's like. I don't know, I mean, it's been tough, but me and MJ, we've made it work. I mean, me and my MJ, not his MJ, you know, it's confusing. But they, I just like the fact that, yeah, they're, because he's probably, well, I don't know how old Tobey Maguire is, but his Spider-Man would probably be, like, in his 40s by now, right? I'd assume so. Yeah, because I think, yeah, it's been about, yeah, he, late 30s, early 40s. I think Tobey Maguire's, like, 50, but whatever. Well, he's... Too old to be playing a teenager to begin with. Both of them were. I mean, Toby and Andrew were both around 29, 30 when they played Spider-Man, a senior in high school. Yeah. But I digress. And also, I wanted to go back to um, Spider-Andrew saving uh, MCU-MJ. <laughs> this is so fucking confusing. Uh, saving her, and then, you know, Andrew's like, you know, are you okay? And Andrew's like, yeah. And then she's like, are you okay? Because he was visibly like... Like sentimental because, like you said, he did what he could not do. He saved basically the, the love of the other Spider-Man's life. Yeah, exactly. It was like he finally did it. And even then, like, there's a little throwaway line that I think you could really look into when they're talking about they want to save all of them and everything, like come up with a cure. Um, Toby Peter says. I have something that could cure Norman. I've thought about it for a long time. So it's like he was beating himself up, like, since Norman died in that fight with him. Like, man, I wish I could have saved him. How could I have done it? And, of course, after years, he's like, well, I could have done this. And yeah. this was his chance to kind of do it. Lots of little, like, redemptions throughout this movie. Yeah, no. Both in real life, the actors and in the characters themselves. Oh, and this is a moment I loved with Andrew Garfield is... I think this has been talked about before. Me and you have talked about a little bit about how the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man definitely seemed much more influenced by the '90s era of Spider-Man. I, you'd agree that that's been at least been an idea that's been thrown about, right? Yeah, I 100. So I do like the fact when they, whenever Andrew Garfield Spider-Man is talking about his life as Spider-Man after Gwen Stacy died, it says, you know, I I got bitter. I stopped pulling my punches and just like this, his voice in that moment where he's just like, he knows he went down a dark path and he's regretful over it. And that very much mirrors a moment in early nineties Spider-Man where Spider-Man became really dark. Like he got really messed up in the head over things and he became like, he saw Well, the, thankfully it never did this in the movies and the comics. He started referring to himself as the spider and he disassociated himself from the Peter Parker identity. Like he went off the fucking deep end. Yeah. I think that was, I know part of that was when he got buried alive by Craven the Hunter. Yes, it was that awesome comic cover with the hand popping out of the uh, ground. I used to have a poster that I bought off of eBay for that was a promo poster they had in comic book shops for Craven's Last Hunt of the tombstone on it that says Here Lies Spider-Man and Craven's standing there and it says the hunter, the hunted, the winner will die. Speaking of Craven, did you see him in this movie? No. Uh did you happen to notice the I can't hold them. They're all coming through silhouettes? Oh, I I I remember, I remember I think you seeing an outline of the rhino. I saw Rhino, I think that was the most prominent, just because it was dead center and, like, had a glint over it for a second. But I, I know I saw Scorpion, 
I saw Rhino, and I saw Craven. Those are the three that, on a one-time watch without pause or anything like that, that I can for certain say that I saw. Because they were also very much the comic book cutouts, like, yeah. silhouetted against it. Well, here's some fun trivia that you may know. Do you know Craven the Hunter was almost the villain of this movie? I did know that. Uh, whenever they're coming up with story ideas for this, I think the idea that they wanted to do the most and obviously did was the multiverse idea. But I think they were hesitant as to whether or not Sony and Marvel would go off on that. So one of the early ideas was going to be have Craven the Hunter to be the villain. I don't know much else behind the story of it, but given what was set up in Far From Home, I would imagine maybe it would be Craven the Hunter hunting Peter Parker's Spider-Man after his identity's been revealed. Craven the Bounty Hunter, if you will. Yeah, something like that. But And I think... Tom Holland and the director, I think his name's John Watts, were intrigued yes. by that idea because they both love that character, but then Marvel, Sony approved the multiverse storyline, and then it's like, well, fuck, we gotta do that. And I, I remember them saying, you know, reading an article where various people behind the scenes were like, if we're doing this, we have to go the full way. We can't just get a few of them. We have to get all of them. Like, they were dead on, like, we can't just half-ass this and only have a few of the villains in it. And I think the selection of villains they've had for all of the series work very well in this. I have a question. Okay. Where was Topher Grace? He got vaporized. Yeah, Doc Ock drowned. Yeah, but he was blipped out of there before that. Man, I won't lie. I was starting to think, holy shit, are we going to see Topher Grace? I won't lie, the thought had entered my mind in the middle of the movie. Uh, I... If you're going to take anything from Spider-Man 3, I think Sandman was the wise choice. Oh, okay. I'm glad you brought up Sandman, because I have a thing. I was thinking about this today. Okay. So Sandman, Flint Marco, right? That's his name? Yeah. Okay. So the whole scene with Electro and Spider-Man when we first see Sandman pop up. Sandman rises into his sand form, talks to Spider-Man, says... Peter, it's me, Flint Marco. Now, he doesn't realize this isn't the Peter that he knows from his universe, you know? Yeah. Here's the thing. In their universe, it's not the MCU universe proper. It's the only superhero Spider-Man that confirmed there's no Avengers or anything. You know, there's no other villains besides the Spider-Man rogues gallery. All right. So, in this world, there's not usually that much crazy shit going on. There's one man in all of existence who has been a giant sand monster who can shift. And you're going to talk to a guy you know him like, hey, it's me, Flint Marco. You know, the guy who turns into sand like he'd fucking not recognize you? <laughs> Why do you need to introduce yourself? It's like, a, oh, Flint, yeah, the only human ever to do anything like this. Yes, of course I know you. I thought you were that other guy made out of sand. That The more I thought about this line, I'm like, why did he feel the need to remind him who he was? Maybe there's another Sandman running around. Oh my god. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> I was thinking about that too, like, this line bothers me. Why is this line in here? Hey, it's me, Flint Marco. You know... I made out of sand, that one. 
That'd be like, Maxwell, if I walked around shooting fiery green tacos out of my eyeballs, and I met you five years ago, but we we had a fight, you know, all that stuff, and then, like, a few years later, I came up to you still shooting fiery green tacos out of my eyes, like, hey, it's me, Greg Ames, like, who the fuck else would I be? I thought you looked familiar. Do you have a yeah. new hairstyle? But, you know, just that dumb little line, but that's all. Is it just me, or... Were you wondering, I was wondering a lot in this movie whether or not that was, um, fuck, what's the actor's name? Thomas Hayden Church. I couldn't tell if that was actually him playing the character or not, because they never showed him in his human form until the end of the movie. Yeah, it's, um, same with Lizard. Well, yeah, did you think, do you think there was a, any sort of reasoning behind that? Because, well, Lizard's voice sounded the same to me. I wasn't even sure if... Sandman's voice was that of of uh, Thomas Hayden Church, so I just wasn't sure if maybe, did they maybe have just do that and have them dub their lines in and just get them in for cameos later just to save time or I imagine so. To be honest, I think that's what it was. And I'm not. I don't get me wrong. I had no problem with Sandman being in sand form the entire time. After a while, I'm just like you know, did they even get him back? And of course, yeah, I thought the same thing. Well, to be honest, I'm like, is he alive? The actor who played him? I wasn't sure. I'm like, maybe that's what happened. Although I think Sam, I like the way Sandman and Lizard, I liked them in it, but they they very much felt like more like background characters slash villains. The real trio of performances in terms of villains in this movie are Doc Ock, Green Goblin, and I never thought I would fucking say this, Jamie Foxx's Electro. Yeah, look, I'll eat crow where I'm wrong. I was happy with Jamie Foxx's Electro. Now, it didn't steal the show for me or stand out huge, but as far as a villain that I absolutely did not want to see come back would have been Jamie Foxx's Electro that we had before. This version, I'm like, okay, this is cool. I agree with you the fact that when they first said Electro was coming back, I was like, why? But I will go a step further in saying, like, he stood out for me a lot. Like, they, I don't know, they made his character far more interesting um i wouldn't say likable but he definitely seemed a bit more charismatic he got a lot of good lines in there and then that scene at the end where he's defeated and him and um andrew garfield spider-man are just kind of you know making amends almost yeah it was, it was and then, cool to see and what was the whole line he had where he's like you know you're a young dude from brooklyn from queens you know you fight for the less fortunate i really was hoping you'd be black <laughs> Is it, there's got to be a black Spider-Man out there. Yeah. That's just a that's a Miles Morales tease if I've ever seen one. But uh, that was uh, that was I don't know. That was such a cool moment between the two of them. Like I said, I never thought I wanted Jamie Foxx to play Electro again, but the way they revamped the character, it 100 percent worked, and I I was glad they did it. Oh, for sure. Another moment like that for me was uh, Toby Peter like making up with Otto because they never had that moment where like his. You know, he wasn't evil anymore. He wasn't possessed by the inhibitor chip thing. Well, there's that brief moment at the end of Spider-Man 2 where his inhibitor chip gets, you know, broken. And then he realizes, you know, I, I can't do this. I have to stop. And he even, he even goes far to have that, you know, I will not die a monster part. Yeah, but this was nicer. This was like old friends almost seeing each other again. Yeah. Some of the dialogue that didn't stand out that was brought back, like the power of the sun from Otto and stuff, it was just, it took me right back to that moment of seeing that movie for the first time, when you first see him come out on the bridge and everything. 
I think they struck a very good line of references and fan service, but not in a way that was just for the sake of references and fan service. They managed to make it work for the storyline. You know which one I will say that was didn't fit naturally, but I'm so fucking glad they put it in. Which one? I'm something of a scientist myself. Oh no, that though no, that totally fits in there. I no, they they fucking I'm that movie they they had to have that in there. No, the I'm movie. I'm in agreement with that. I'm so glad they put it in. I'm so happy. Look, it didn't really fit. You didn't need to have it in there, but I was so happy. That was a cheer. Everyone cheered for that line. <laughs> like they they tread they tread this very fine line in this movie where it's like they're pulling on your nostalgia for the old movies, but they're doing it with a, a storyline that is compelling and it doesn't feel like you're being manipulated. I don't know. Is that the yeah, word? Exactly. You're not being talked down to like, Hey, remember that thing you liked when you were a kid? Well, here it is again. <laughs> I'm something of a scientist myself. Hey, Spider-Man, I'm going to kill you. I like that. They even had all three Spider-Men pointing at each other for a moment. Oh, what? oh was that in, oh, in the lab? Yeah, Ned goes Peter, and all of them like point to each other like that. The meme of Spider-Man all pointing at. Just seeing all. Let's just go. There's there's not enough that can be said about seeing three different versions of Spider-Man that we've grown up grown up with working together in a fucking science lab. Dude, that scene where they're at the Statue of Liberty and they're waiting, you know, like, and they're just talking. I could have went, I want a podcast of the three of them just talking to each other in character as Spider-Man. That's one of the scenes, there's there's several scenes like that where I'm wondering how much of this this is scripted and how much of this was improvised, because it seemed very natural. The scene on the Statue of Liberty where, I think that's where the web fluid thing came up, right? I'm so glad they brought it up, because I was thinking, (laughs) like, these guys have web shooters. And you know, know, they even brought that joke back in an amazing way, where Tobey Maguire's web gets on Andrew Garfield, and like, gross, because he knows it's like a body thing from him, not something cooked up in the lab, and he's disgusted by it. Like, what was that, like, so, um, how does you, how how do you make it, I mean, does, does it come out of any other parts of your body? That was great. Dude, like, I mean, I have worked on a team. I was in the Avengers. What's the Avengers? That was great. Are you in a band? <laughs> oh, God. The, the, the chemistry, the comedic chemistry between the three of them was insanely good. I will say my disappointment knows no bounds that they didn't sneak a Spider-Punk reference in right there. <laughs> You're in a band? Are you some kind of Spider-Punk? Right, that's all you needed, right there. I, I would, I would have been happy. But man, dude, I seriously, just those moments of the three of them together were so good, and I loved it. And like Toby McGuire and Andrew Garfield seem like they're having so much fun in this. Like I, Toby McGuire, I feel like seems like he's enjoying himself more in this movie than he did in the entire three Spider-Man movies he was in. Oh, for sure. Also, that line of Andrew Garfield: "Are you gonna go fight the bad guys dressed as a cool youth pastor?" Oh, yeah. <laughs> Because I, I was worried about that. Like, why isn't he in the suit? But then he pulls his collar down and he has the uh, suit underneath. Yeah. Dude, also speaking of, like, the reveals of them and everything. When, one, Ned can use the sling ring, so is he correct that he's always had magic? But anyway, he opens up the portal and you see Spider-Man down the portal, down an alleyway and everything. 
And at first, I'm like, wait a second. And it was like the whole theater came to the realization at once. And you see him running towards it. And I swear to God, they drug out that run towards the portal on purpose for that moment of everyone just going ape shit of him running towards that portal once everyone realized, oh, fuck, that's Andrew. That, that was awesome. It was so <laughs> great. And the... Him having to like prove himself to MJ and Ned was hilarious. Oh yeah, like he, you know, the ceiling and the the was it Ned's mom or grandmother? I don't remember. Yeah, but uh, making him clean up his mess and asking him to get the cobweb and everything. <laughs> oh, the ones that you know he's hanging from the ceiling by one hand and and just like crawl up, crawl around a bit, and he's like, well, "That's just that's dehumanizing," <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Dude, I also like the fact that Peter's driving force and all this the straw that broke the camel's back for him like to go talk to dr strange wasn't anything for him it was the fact that it was starting to affect those that he loved like that ned and mj couldn't even get into college because of their association with them and everything i think makes it not so much a selfish i don't want to deal with this and still like that spider-man always looking out for everyone else moment yeah yeah his care his character Tom Holland's all in Spider-Man. It goes through an interesting arc in this because, you know, he starts out, he's still the very selfless Spider-Man, and then he starts to get jaded as the movie goes along, especially then with what happens with Aunt May. Yeah, 100%. And then that final fight, the, the, well, when first when he's having a discussion with the other Spider-Man, it's just like, you know, all I, I just, all I can think about is I want to kill him. And then they get to that final battle and he is just like beating the ever loving shit out of him. Also, while we're talking about the battle, at one point in that battle, Green Goblin, he has his um, arm dagger thing. He unsheaths. And yeah. were, you, were you worried at any point that Tom Holland was going to get killed? Honestly, no. For some reason, that thought hadn't crossed my mind. The other two, though, yeah, because I, I that entire fight after that, he brought out that you know blade or whatever. I'm I'm just watching like, where's the blade? Where's the blade? Like, where are they going to go with this? And then you know, Tom Holland, Spider Man gets the Goblin Glider, and he's about to fucking just kill Green Goblin. And then Tobey Maguire, Spider Man, comes in and stops him, which I didn't even realize at the time. But right before we did this podcast, I was watching the original Spider-Man movie on TV, and that scene of Tobey Maguire grabbing the Goblin Glider mirrors exactly Tobey Maguire grabbing the Goblin's big-ass spear that he has at the end of the first movie. Yep. It comes I, like, out I, of nowhere? Yeah, he, he in the first movie, he brings out that spear, and the, 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 the spikes pop out. He's just like, me and MJ, we're gonna have a hell of a time. <laughs> but yeah, dude, Toby gets stabbed, and I'm like, no! The entire theater was like, was that was basically the entire fucking theater was like, no, no, they're not going to do that, are they? It just, and then <laughs> they immediately brush it off as Toby's like, yeah, I'll I'll be okay. I've been stabbed before. <laughs> I did like them playing up Toby as kind of old man Spider Man, like him needing his back cracked and everything before the fight. <laughs> Not only that, but they were referencing, you know, the my back thing from the Spider-Man 2. Yeah, I thought that was great, though. And then Andrew um, having to crack his back for him. Yeah. This really <laughs> awkward moment between them. Question. All right. Where was Bruce Campbell? Oh, God. Sam Raimi didn't direct this movie, though. He's going to be Still, in the next... You He's told me be... we couldn't have got Bruce Campbell... He's going to be in Doctor Strange too because Sam Raimi's directing that. He he is in Doctor Strange too. He confirmed it. 
well, there you go. You see, what was he going to play in this one? Just, I don't know. I was thinking, dude, here was my idea of what I thought the final post credit scene was going to be. I thought it was going to involve Toby Spider-Man going home with MJ. Like, I bet, I thought they'd get Kirst- Kirsten, Kristen, I, saw, I don't know. I know Deadpool had a joke saying that, but I legitimately don't know. I'm honestly not sure. Go ahead. But um, I thought it was going to be him and MJ, like, walking somewhere. And you could have had, like, Bruce Campbell just being a worker somewhere. They stopped for coffee or something like that. But just to tie it full circle back around. I legit did think they were going to get her for a cameo for that. Should we talk about the credit sequences yet? Or where else do we have to go with this? Oh, dude, I can talk about this movie yeah. all day. I can do this all day. But, yeah, <laughs> it's... So, oh, dude, the, let's talk about the Statue of Liberty, and I would like this to be done in real life. The Captain America shield? Yeah, so obviously post-Endgame, like, you know, Earth's Mightiest Heroes literally saved half the universe. They added the Captain America shield to the Statue of Liberty. I want that in real life today. And I think there is... I think I've heard... I think I overheard there's even a blurb of J. Jonah Jameson on his show complaining about it. Oh, I didn't catch that. Um, look, ex- extremely minor Hawkeye spoilers. There's a, th- a line from a character saying, I want to go see the new and improved Statue of Liberty. And I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about. And then this, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, because no, there was a, I don't remember what scene it was, but you heard a Daily Bugle broadcast on, and Jay Jameson, Jay Leonard Jameson is like, and now they're going to put the Captain America uh, shield on the Statue of Liberty? And he's like complaining about it. Dude, how about J. Jonah Jameson? We we haven't even really mentioned him. He was kind of just like a fun little stinger at the end of um, Far From Home. So, like, dude, the fact that they even had him selling crappy supplements like Alex Jones <laughs> is the funniest thing. That was the moment I'm like, they know exactly what they're doing with this. Uh, and I like the fact, too, that they're also playing into the multiverse idea of it because while they got the same actor, they changed his appearance enough so that he was like distinguished from the other version of him. Yeah, exactly. It is perfect. Yeah. Instead of the flat top, they let JK Simmons just have his normal bald head, but he still had the mustache. He still had the same mannerisms as uh, the original J. Joe Davis. But yeah, I, I agree with the fact that, you know, in today's world, what would someone like J. Jonah Jameson be? He'd be like, this extremist, like, conspiracy theory peddling online news blog. There was a, a few reports online, a few me- things mentioned about the fact that they digitally de-age Alfred Molina to play Dr. Octopus again because it's he's supposed to look like right as he did at the end of Spider-Man 2. Here's the thing, though. He's the only one they really did that for because I'm pretty sure Willem Dafoe looks exactly the same as he did 20 years ago. Yeah, you're not wrong. And did I read that he did all of his own stunts and fight scenes? Isn't the dude, like, in his 60s? He's 66. Good God. Willem Dafoe's a fucking beast. No, he's just, he's a maniac. He's a goblin in real life. That's what he's that a maniac. man is. <laughs> yes. Once again, go, go, once again, going back to the idea of why did they put a plastic helmet on him paint his face green, he looks like a fucking goblin. And I think that's why this version worked so much, so I think that's why this version worked so well for me, because they realize, like, dude doesn't need a mask. Put a purple, a tattered purple hoodie on him and some goggles and he will. he's a fucking goblin. Exactly. I think he pretty much is already. 
here's the other thing too with Spider-Man like resetting himself. Did you notice that he ha- was getting his GED at the end of it when he got his apartment? Like at yeah, the I end because yeah. I guess like his teachers forgot everything. So like he's basically he's still Peter Parker, but no one knows who he is. They have that kind of gut wrenching scene of him and Happy at May's grave. Um, dude, it's just awful. I <laughs> I hate it. And then the other thing, dude, basically straight up the '90s Spider-Man cartoon suit. Pretty much, I I got the impression that it was meant to basically be the original, the, the original Spider-Man suit of like the original, very original, going dating back to the '60s, the traditional blue, pure red and blue suit. Yeah, I'm looking at a poster I have on my wall. It's uh, the cover of Amazing Spider-Man 151, and it's literally that suit. And I think we talked about this a bit in our with our group chat, and it makes sense though because. An article I read online was trying to clarify what this whole big twist means for Spider-Man. And now the whole world has forgotten Peter Parker, but Spider-Man still had all his his adventures with the Avengers and all that. They just never found out his identity, basically, as I think they're saying is what the continuity is now. That's, that's how I took it, too, because even in old Avengers comics and stuff, that's how it was. He just kept his identity a secret even yeah. from them. So, but then whenever... The spell happens, and Peter Parker's forgotten. Peter Parker no longer gets access to Stark tech, which is why he doesn't have any of the fancy, you know, Stark suits. Which, as cool as it was seeing those in the other movies and the other Spider-Man movies, I kind of like the idea of we've gotten a, a back to basics Spider-Man without all of the fancy Tony Stark bells and whistles. Oh, I agree for sure, and. I don't know. It just was awesome seeing that plastic suit swinging around yeah. again. Did you think we were going to see Rent when I heard that guy say Rent's due the first of the month? I thought it, I wanted it to be him so I bad. Know. We can't. We They can't put every meme in the movie, sadly, Greg. But that one would have been so easy. <laughs> Is that actor still alive? I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know. Grand Moff Tarkin him, if not. I don't think they're going to CGI the Rent guy. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. I mean, they CGI um, Peter Cushing or CGI the rent guy. The rent guy. Come on. (laughs) You know, he was the true villain behind the movie. You do the words by rent. (laughs) Rent. You'll get your rent when you fix this damn door. Here's my big overall, like, what this means for movies in general going forward question. Okay. So we definitely been in the age of the reboot. I mean, I'm sure there's early examples, but as you've pointed out to me, we can kind of trace it back to Batman Begins. Yes. Does this now open the door that there's never a technical reboot again? That now it's just, this is a different universe? Well, it's possible because uh, DC is already knocking down that door with their Flash movie. Yeah. I mean, Spider-Man kind of beat him to the punch, but yeah, they're they're already planning it. So, and with Michael Keaton returning, so like, I'm wondering now. Like, let's say I'm cast as something just terrible. Will they reboot it? I'd be like, oh, that's fine. In 15 years, they're gonna call me for the multiverse event. I just realized something. Marvel is most likely now going to get all the credit for the introducing the idea 
of a cinematic multiverse where they can cross over the different ver- previous versions of their film characters with the current ones that are MCU. People are going to be like, Marvel did it. They did it first. And uh, they would people that think that uh, would be wrong. And I don't want to be in the least here, but they did that on the CW shows with DC first. They did the multiverse stuff where they brought in with the Flash. They brought in the um, Ezra Miller Flash and they brought in Brack, uh, Brandon Routh as an alternate version of Superman. So the CW verse got to it first, just not on as big of a scale without as popular of characters. I'll see your CW verse and raise you an even smaller scale, but they did it first. Okay. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Turtles Forever did it first. I believe you talked about this in one of our previous episodes. This was the first time I had seen like original cast, even those voice actors and stuff still, but returning for a multiverse crossover from a rebooted property to the original. Oh, so Marvel isn't quite all the hot shit they think they are. Neither is DC. It all goes back no. to the Turtles. Because I had someone online commenting about, you know, with um, if with this movie being as, as successful as it's probably going to be, we'll get to that later. He says, I can already see when the Flash movie com- movie comes out, people are going to be just like, oh, DC's just ripping off Marvel. Oh, yeah, you know it's going to happen. But I really think that's going to be the case now. Like, you'll never have a true reboot. Now, I'm sure they won't always do it, but that option's on the table for everyone now. Well, like... Next year, we're okay. We're getting the Flash movie, which come on, why are they calling it the Flash movie? Everyone is seeing it because Michael Keaton's coming back as that version of Batman, and it, they're yeah. bringing they're bringing in back Ben Affleck's version of Batman, which everyone actually liked. And not only are we getting those Batmans meeting in a multiverse crossover, we're getting yet another Batman in terms of um, James Pattison or however you say his name as in the Batman, set in a different. Reality. I think his name's Robert. I don't think it's James. Did I say James Patterson? I think that's yes. I think that's an author. I think it's an author. Uh, Robert oh, Patterson. But he's playing Batman now, and yeah, another new film series separate from the other ones. So now we've got another version of Batman floating around in the DC Extended Universe or whatever the fuck they call it. So when do we get into the Batman verse now? Enough of this Batman. Bring me pictures of Spider Man. I want nudes. No, I want pictures of Spider-Man. I want pictures of Spider-Man nude. Now, before we get to the post-credits, I, I just want to say, this movie was incredible, and I can't wait to watch it again. Um, so, post credit scene. Movie ends, like I said, on a downer, but with an, a possibility of more. That'll all be in giant legal battles and decisions and stuff. So, they really ended it in this, in a smart way, where they could have him come back and find a way to return or they could end it. They kind of left it perfect. I actually have something I'd like to comment on this before I forget my thought. Yeah, go ahead. What's up? Which is I, you kind of touched on it already, but the idea that they can go either way. Well, they've already said that Spider-Man is supposed to be appearing in another MC move, another MCU movie with as with Tom Holland, they've already said that's happening. I don't know if you recall. They, that. they have one more what's considered a cameo role on the contract. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure what the extent of it. And already, the president of Sony is talking about wanting to do another trilogy of Spider-Man movies with Tom Holland. That I think is in the very earliest planning stages. I don't know if Tom Holland's on board or not. 
sometimes he says he wants to play Spider-Man forever. Other times he says that he doesn't want to be old man Spider-Man. I don't know. But, but we just have proof that it works. We have well, the if, proof in this movie. Well, first of all, I would like the idea. I want to see him continue playing Spider-Man for another couple movies. I would, I'd be down for another trilogy because we've been with him since he's a teenager. I want to see him into his early his mid to late 20s i want to grow grow up with this spider-man and go on like this journey of life with him so i like the idea of them doing that with one actor across six movies and various cameos that is ideally what i would want to happen with the with him in the mcu however as you said they very much built in like an escape clause here because by basically resetting his identity they can do whatever that so if the sony decided Marvel, we we you're Marvel. We don't need you. We're not too big for our britches. We could do our own Spider Verse without you. They could just easily take this version of Spider Man and completely sever his ties from the MCU and do whatever they want, which is not what I think they should do. No, I'm worried they're gonna let the success go to their head and think, "Who did this? We did. Sony did this. We're gonna do it on our own." I hope they sit back and think. Okay, but what got us here? We should what, stay there. What got us here? Spider-Man, Captain America, because Spider-Man was in Captain America. What got us here? Iron Man and, and Spider-Man: Homecoming. What got us here? Spider-Man in Infinity War. What got us here? Nick Fury in Far From Home. Doctor Strange and uh, No Way Home. These titles get confusing, yeah. but the fact of the matter is, this Spider-Man has very much been so. It been had supporting role, either has been a supporting role in an MCU MCU movie, or he has been in his solo movies with a he is supported by an MCU character. They the last thing they should do is be like, you know what? Enough of this. We can do this without Marvel. You know why? Because we've got Morbius. <laughs> and Black Cat and Silver Sable. I mean, Sable. come on, hell yeah. Look, I mean, Morbius, I, mean, I was laughing at you, but the Black Cat, I'm like, eh, you raise a good point. Yeah. But yeah. here's the thing, Spider-Man oh, can stand on his own for sure. 100%. Like, he's definitely one of the characters that can, but it's good to have that stuff in your back pocket. Like, let him play yeah. in this universe. We don't. We haven't even addressed the idea of one day Marvel re- will reboot X-Men and we can have Spider-Man and Wolverine working together. Finally, what they wanted to have a quick cameo of back in the 2000s. I want to see Spider-Man and the Hulk together. You know, I want to see uh, Sp- Spider-Man, Ant-Man. How can we not have the two insect-related heroes? Well, I mean, they interacted a little bit in uh, Endgame. But you know what? We're Sony, and we've got Silver Sable. <laughs> if, you okay. even rem- if you even remember who Silver Sable is. I know who Silver Sable is, dude. Okay, I'm trying to find... I'm trying to think of really bad. Like, we've got Stilt Man. Dude, I, I love the Spider-Man's rogues gallery. Oh, wait, I'm gonna throw one out here for our friend P. We've got Swarm. The exactly. Man, <laughs> the, man made, the man made out of bees. You know what the kids <laughs> You know what the kids these days love even more than Bella Lugosi? Bees. <laughs> Alright, post-credit. So the movie ended the way we said. It was great. We get to our first one. And I'd completely forgotten about this man at this point. But you hear drunk Venom voice. <laughs> you just hear that Eddie Brock Venom. And I'm like, oh yeah! He got, like, zapped to this world, too. And them 
drunk at a bar in Mexico, just like the end of Venom, Let There Be Carnage. I guess spoilers if you haven't seen that. But yeah, and it's just like them getting the scoop on basically everything that's happened in this universe. Like, so it all started with a man in a tin suit that could fly. He's talking <laughs> and everything. And talking about an alien. like And an alien with these stones. He goes, I don't know, man. Aliens don't like stones. They like eating brains because he's thinking about Venom. <laughs> and then the bar, the bar- bartender's like, you know, Thanos killed my family or something like that. Like, took my family away for five years. Like, oh. And I like that Venom stands up and does that thing where he takes control of Eddie's body, like how you see him do it. Like, we are drunk! And throws his arm <laughs> we are going skinny dipping in the ocean! And then, um, it's just a whole thing for him to get, I guess we won't call it blipped, but transported back to his universe, but a tiny bit of the Venom symbiote stays behind. So now the Venom symbiote exists in MCU. So what can they do with that? I mean, that means they can potentially have... If the tiny bit of the Venom symbiote is left in the MCU, does it become another Venom? Does it spawn into another symbiote? What avenues do you see this going them going down with this? Because I was after that they had that scene, before they let it be known that a little bit of the symbiote was there, my first thought was, okay, this end credit sequence of Venom in this movie and this and the end credit sequence of Venom with Spider-Man in his own movie have been rendered completely pointless because... Oh, yeah. I kind of loved that for a second. I kind of loved that it was just a random showing up and going away for a minute. Yeah, it's like, he's in the MCU, all right. Wait a minute, he's not an MCU. Well, what the fuck was the point of that? But then the little bit of the symbiote is there. Greg, as a comic book expert, what can they do with that? Not an expert, but they can have it find him. Here's the here's the bigger question, though, is why was Venom there? Everyone who came in was someone who knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man. Is there a Peter Parker in the Venomverse? No. But uh, what I'm saying, what if there is and they haven't revealed it yet? He got fired from his job in New York City. Who who was the one that was responsible for that? Maybe there's a Peter. Maybe there's another version of Peter Parker, Spider Man, in the Venomverse. But then again, what Eddie Brock would have to know that he's also Spider Man. Look now, a plot hole's a plot hole. I guess I'll call it that. But here is the easy workaround for it. Eddie Brock is a. Obviously, a different universal variant, I guess we could call it. I don't know. But of the Eddie Brock from Spider-Man 3. Okay. That Eddie Brock, I believe, knew Peter was Spider-Man, correct? In uh, Spider-Man 3, yeah. Okay. So you could say, because Eddie Brock knew in this universe, so another Eddie Brock came through just... You the, know. Wrong Eddie, the wrong Eddie Brock? Because the other one yes. got vaporized? Yes, exactly. It's... It's a, a stretch. Slight, it's a stretch, yeah, look, but it's a plot hole. Let's call it what it is. But I was happy to it's, see it's, it. It's it's called We're Sony. We've got Venom. Look how wacky his movies were. Don't you want to see more wacky movies with him and the uh, the Tinkerer? I mean, yes. But here's the <laughs> other thing: they're really leaning into Venom. Almost like that Morbius trailer. If I had to see it one more time with the. We are Venom. Oh, I'm just kidding, Dr. Michael Morbius. If I had to see that stupid joke one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. But, like, they're really leaning into Venom, aren't they? Yeah, and uh, they're talking about doing a Craven the Hunter movie, which... What's it going to be? Just, like, some asshole on a safari killing endangered animals without Spider-Man? Well, here's the thing, though. 
Venom started out as a villain and became like an anti-hero. So he his movies were. I didn't learn until recently. I thought Morbius was always a straight up villain, but apparently he has edged toe the line between villain and anti-hero. So okay, oh, especially can, in like the last ten years for sure. Yeah. So Morbius, yeah, okay, they can they can blur that line. Craven. Is more, I mean, he has a sense of honor and like this weird thing with the hunt that he respects Spider-Man, but I don't think he's ever been portrayed as anything other than a bad guy. But I mean, to, to make a very odd comparison, look at the movie Cruella. I guess you could try. <laughs> I mean, are we going to have Craven the Hunter break out of the song? I mean, I hope so. Like, if we have... <laughs> Craven the Hunter doing a fashion runway to I Want to Be Your Dog by the Stooges? Hell yeah, but I, I don't see it happening. I was thinking more of like a uh, Lion King type safari thing, and he's singing with animals type okay. thing. And yeah, with- that was pretty much the whole post-credits. It, it was, I, I kind of, don't get me wrong, I'm glad the symbiote's oh, there now so we can play with it, but I really did like the idea of Venom just getting blipped to the MCU, gets drunk in a bar, and blipped back to his universe. That's great. all he did his time traveling the multiverse, <laughs> was get drunk, and then went back home. It's like, hey guys, remember, there's a Venom 3 coming up. Don't forget to see Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> And and that raises more questions. I don't think Sony knows what they're doing. Because in the Morbius trailer, the is Morbius in, in the MCU? Yeah, Vulture's in it. Uh, they're, I don't, they're really Is it during kind the of, time of No Way Home? They are really just kind of, yeah, I don't, I don't think they know, I think, I don't think they entirely know what they're doing. I think they're doing the uh, DC approach, was, which is, we're going to throw a bunch of shit against the wall and see if it sticks, except they have the entirety of the MCU to kind of prop them up. Yeah, they... Ugh, whatever. Alright, but the second post credit scene... I almost thought you forgot about that. It wasn't really a post credit scene. It uh, was it, literally a trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Which I heard, I had heard rumors about this, and it's not like this hasn't happened before. Was it, um... Was it the first Captain America that had the Avengers trailer yes, at the was. end of it? So now we're... It makes sense that we had a, a movie, albeit a Spider-Man movie, that Doctor Strange featured prominently in, introducing the vault- multiverse, and now Doctor Strange's next movie is going full-on multiverse, being directed by the guy that directed the first three Spider-Man movies. Look, Sam Raimi is like a personal hero of mine. To see him doing Doctor Strange, and no offense to Spider-Man movies, love him. But man, this really feels Sam Raimi to me when I what we saw of that, yeah. like one hundred percent. Now I I almost wish it would have been played at the beginning because I feel like I would have absorbed more of it because I'm still recovering from this wild ride I was just on, and you want me to watch a whole trailer, not just a scene, and try to like memorize all of it. But man, there's some wild stuff going on in there. It's you have the evil Doctor Strange from What If in it, and there's well the trailer for. Is, Someone's probably bootlegged it online already, I'm sure. I've, I've looked, I haven't found it yet. Because I don't think they'll release this trailer publicly for a while, because it yeah. seems like a lot of it hinges on you have seeing, see, having have seen No Way Home, like how they did with the Far From Home trailer. They even had Tom Holland give like a PSA at the beginning, hey, don't watch this if you haven't seen Endgame yet. Yeah, it's probably going to be another few months before that gets released, like, officially on YouTube. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard to tell with how... Uh, 
it's hard to tell with how release windows are nowadays because movies have been showing up on streaming sites so fucking quickly. Even like the the ones that have exclusive theatrical releases. I mean, Shang Chi came out in September and was on Disney Plus in November. Eternals came out in November. This could be on Disney Plus in January. I don't expect that to happen with Spider Man because of the Sony aspect of it, but I know Sony has some weird multi-year deal with netflix and then with disney plus hulu where their movies will have a window on netflix first and then on disney plus and hulu which is why i'm hoping that means sony's playing nice because they're talking about you know having their movies stream on disney plus and hulu instead of them like i don't know crackle or whatever the fuck that whatever the fuck sony owns we've talked about that site before that site's a joke sorry sony sorry mr sorry mr sony but crackle isn't very good Look, you know what? As much as we make fun of Sony, dude, two of my favorite movies of the year came from them this year. Granted, one of them's half Disney, half Sony. But, dude, Ghostbusters yeah. Afterlife and Spider-Man No Way Home. Well, what about Venom? Oh, yeah, and Venom. Look, they, they had a good fucking year. Yeah. They don't need Marvel. Yes, they, they do. I shouldn't, oh. We shouldn't say any compliments to them other than this, because it's going to go to their head and they'll yank the rights back. We'll... We'll make a movie featuring, uh, fuck, I'm trying to think of really bad Spider-Man characters. We'll make a movie about the Jackal. We'll go Clone Saga on you. Boomerang. Boomer, wait, I thought that, oh, that's Cap, I'm thinking Captain Boomerang. No, Boomerang, the Spider-Man villain. I don't recall him. Um, Okay, good, then I got an obscure out of nowhere one. Wasn't there a kid that had, like, rocket skates or something? Probably. All right, let's let's. Uh, yeah, I'm about yeah. Spider Man out. Let's wrap this up. All right. Well, I mean, what are we doing next week? Uh, next week, um, I believe is Hawkeye. Is it almost wrapped up? I haven't watched yeah. any of it yet. Yeah, it's so the finale is next week. So yeah, that'd be uh, next week. Hope, be Hawkeye. I always say I'm not going to put off watching these shows, and then just weeks go by, and it's like fuck. I need to watch all of this. So I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, they'll be fresh in my memory, but. Yeah, so uh, join us next week. We'll spoil the hell out of Hawkeye. That'll be a fun time. And then, um, well, we we don't we don't want to preview anything beyond that. Well, we know that the- one. Yeah, it'll be our big end of the year wrap. Yeah. We get our yeah. top ten movie lists and all that fun stuff. What yeah. we're looking forward to next year? Not just movies, but we're talking about probably some TV shows and I don't know, just things that happened this year and talk about things that we're looking forward to next year and all kinds of fun stuff. There's oh, always, um, and uh, well, this is where I turn it over to you. All right, guys, you know the drill. I do want to. I actually got something new about this. Spotify, oh. which I know is our biggest like demographic like player that people use to listen to us, added reviews on there now. So no more the excuse. Oh, I'd leave the five star review, but I listen on Spotify. You can now rate us five stars on Spotify. Look, it's the holiday season. That would be the best Christmas gift you guys could give us. So please go on there and do that. It helps us shot a ton. I'm not just asking for no reason. Helps more people find us. Helps us do this longer. So those of you who've already done it, thank you very much. Those of you who will, thank you in advance. Uh, if you want more of me, I'm on Throbbing with Horror on every Friday. You can listen to me talk about some spooky movies. If you want to follow us, there's a Facebook group. There's a Twitter and Instagram, all that fun stuff. And I believe that's pretty much it. And those of you that don't give us five stars, fuck you. Yeah, I guess that's fair to say. And also, also, um, 
if you if you can't give us five stars, um, we do take cash. Uh, I will gladly take a Star Wars Imperial Walker toy. Um, Greg, what do you want for Christmas? I want them five star reviews, dude. Yeah, but but if they, if they if they are like, I don't want to give you something intangible. I want to give you a material gift. What do you want? What sort of material gift do you want? We live in a capitalist society, Greg. Choose something well, that costs money. Knowing that I know none of these things will actually happen, I will go the. I don't want anything for myself. I just want the world to be a better place. Oh, world you're peace. lying. You are a lying sack of shit. World peace will never happen. Come on, what what toys do you want? I want nothing. I just want the world to be a better place. No, and Sony at- to, I want Sony to keep their deal up with Disney so we get more of these. That's what I want. Okay, I guess that is materialistic and capitalist enough. I'll let you slide with that one. I was going to berate you and not end the episode until you picked something that costs money. <laughs> but I figured Sony making movies of the MCU and continuing to make money off of it, that's good enough. Yay. Yay, but let's not end up. Yay, movies. Yay, Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man. Fuck yeah. All right, Spider- that's Spider- all I got. We're not done. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. He makes us a ton of money. No? Okay. I'm Ben Guy Maxwell. Not what? doing it. Not doing <laughs> it. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Flying through there with a frying pan. I'm about to stop recording now and I'll let you do your little <laughs> fancy sign-off. All right. Okay, that's it. That's it. Spider-Man's awesome. I've been Ryan Maxwell. I'm Greg Ames. Excelsior.